You are listening to the QSR Web Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the podcast, everyone, and hope that everybody's feeling good today. But if not, certainly the nearly 6,000 health juice restaurants nationally should be able to find you just the right mix to fix what ails you. One of the most successful of those ultra-nutritionally-focused brands, Nectar Juice Bar, is apparently drinking a lot of its own business fitness formula because the brand, now at about 150 stores, is in a growth spurt. Today, Nectar Juice Bar CEO Steve Schultz is on board to talk about the green and all those brightly colored slurpable drinks right after this. Interactive Customer Experience Association's mission is to connect B2C brands to technology that elevates the customer experience. Brands have access to resources, project help, news, and insights based around boosting their customer experience. Suppliers gain network opportunities to reach these brands and help them provide solutions to elevate their customer experience. Join today at ICXA.org. Estimates by business research site Ibis World show that right now in the U.S., the consumer health juice market will hit about $3 billion this year, with an annual growth rate of approximately 1.8% after steady growth for the last six years. Those are numbers that likely make today's podcast guests take on a big, juicy smile, since as CEO of Nectar Juice Bar, Steve Schultz, is sitting right near the top of the heap when it comes to this very defined QSR sector. Welcome, Steve. Well, I'm happy to be here. We are delighted to have you. Thanks so much for stopping in. And I'm hoping first you can maybe give us a kind of snapshot of the brand at the moment, including information about your sales and number of units and where you are right now nationally. You know, uh, is in a good spot right now. You know, we started, it's actually coming up on ninth anniversary here in just a few days, which is an exciting time for us. Um, Happy anniversary. And as, well, thank <laughs> you. I think a lot of people are excited about it. Uh, we just opened uh, just this past week our 150th location and had a little celebration in the corporate office to celebrate, which, uh, which, which was fun. And as far as the brand is concerned, you know, we're moving along quite well. We just went into our 17th state, as I mentioned, about 150, well, actually now 151, 52 locations. The sales uh, will, will exceed system-wide about 100, 100, between 100 to 110 million, I would say, uh, say this year. Uh, Spread out, so it's a you know it's an interesting time. Uh, things change and evolve as you know new competition comes up and uh, various challenges arise. But uh, fortunately, we've been able to head, you know deal with those head on and um, and uh, hopefully uh, satisfy the guests and and the consumers and our franchisees. Where where are you nationally again? Uh, just as far as the penetration of states. Um, can you give me an idea of uh, sections of the country, or are you just spread out everywhere? You know, it's interesting. Uh, different concepts have different ideas on how they want to roll out a brand. For me, I, I felt it was very important to, you know, uh, you know, test the brand and have proof of concept and proof of concept in a variety of different geographical markets. And then once 
I felt the proof of concept was, was, was proven out, uh, then it was my goal to infill those areas. And so for us, you know, we would start in, say, Southern California, three locations, and then in, say, Orange County, and then spread from there, and then San Diego, and then Phoenix, and Tucson, and Dallas, and Houston. Um, so we don't go with the shotgun approach, where you have some brands out there in which uh, in which they will put possibly, you know, one in Idaho, one in Minnesota, one in Cleveland, one in uh, Chicago. And it's my belief that it's just very difficult to, from a corporate perspective, to support the the store, the brand, the guest, the community, you know, being that spread out. And so for us, uh, it was important to be very specific in how we rolled it out, uh, be very disciplined in that uh, aspect of it. Uh, and secondarily, we, you know, if you look at the brand, there's 150 locations and approximately 45 of those locations are corporate locations. So I also thought it was very important that we really understood you know, all aspects of the brand so that we could relate to, uh, to our franchise partners and, uh, and, you know, understand the challenges and, and various, uh, opportunities that arose, uh, and share those opportunities with them. Yeah. No, well, no better way than doing it, huh? <laughs> no, it really is. I mean, you know, there isn't a thing that's, that's happened out there that we haven't been through. So, you know, when you're selling a franchise system, a lot of people are putting their, life savings and their heart and their soul into it and they're very passionate about it and i think that we have a responsibility to to give them the greatest support that we can and the only way that i thought that we could go ahead and do that was by having as much experience as uh we could ourselves uh so having you know seven to eight hundred uh employees having a fifteen thousand uh square foot office and staff that's you know been with us for a long time i think uh you know uh, provides that and i think it provides a certain security for those uh, for our franchise partners and you know, also for the corporate support uh, stores that we have as well. So now with nine years, almost, right? <laughs> on New Year's Bell? I'm not sure on the date, so it's going to be nine years and it could be today, but it's not. So I know that. <laughs> so um, it's a pretty finicky market sector. And I'm wondering if you can tell me Kind of the top two primary lessons you've learned, both about health juice in the limited service sector and about Nectar's customers in particular. You know, the easiest thing I'd say is that you, uh, I think the biggest mistake that a lot of people follow, and I think that, that, that we've learned, is you can't follow a trend, meaning that you can't, you know, each year something's going to come up, whether it be last year the keto diet, as you know, is a very was a big phenomenon. It's still out there a little bit, but it's you know fading away. And I'm sure the next diet will come along. And with keto, obviously, people are drinking you know less uh, less sugar, which fundamentally I think is a is a good thing. Granted, the, the sugar in you know fruits and vegetables and such is you know unprocessed and a different uh, you know different uh, you know animal altogether. But a lot of people will jump in and say make a keto smoothie um, or say flatbread becomes the the you know the hot topic. Um, so I think that what we've learned is one is you've got to be true to who you are. You've got to be, uh, you know, consistent, uh, you know, with your offering and meet the expectations, you know, of your guests. Because I think that, uh, you know, a couple of times when we've made that <clears throat> jump to try something that was, you know, an arm's length away from who we are, or what we do, you know, it, uh, it is a surprise to the, to the guests, a surprise to us. Uh, in the response, and usually it doesn't uh, turn out in a positive fashion. So I think trying to chase something is uh, isn't important. I think uh, what is important is um, you know investing in in your guests and in your uh, in your team members. So 
think that's been very important about it. So stay true, basically, to who you are, and 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 on that note, who who is a Nectar customer? What's kind of the composite view of that? You know, the the customers changed a lot over the years in the sense of you know when we first started, it was my belief that the the guest was going to be a you know driving a you know a Range Rover goes to Lululemon and you know buys the juice, and we're going to probably be in you know. LA and San Diego and, uh, you know, Newport beach and places like that, uh, as it's evolved, what we found is, you know, we go into areas such as, uh, you know, Redlands, which I'm not sure if you know where Southern California or Southern California is, but you go by basically hundred miles inland, you know, and we've got some of our highest volume sales or Chandler, Arizona or various pockets in, you know, in Texas and such. Um, and so when you look at the guests, it's, you know, it's initially started out as uh, predominantly, you know, women, I'd say, you know, 80% women. It's now come down to about 70% women. The age is usually about 25 to 40. Um, but we're seeing the top tier, the, the higher age, the brackets change actually quite, I'd say quite a bit. When you're talking about a 10 to 15% shift in who your guest is, I, I find it interesting in the sense of we have the, which I like to say, which I like to say, which I believe is true, is there's a lot of people that are 70 years old that are probably a lot healthier today than they were when they were 50. And <laughs> the kids today, when they were such as myself or you or whomever, you know, when I was going to high school and younger, and I get out of school, I go over to 7-Eleven and get a you know big gulp and a Snickers bar. Um, <laughs> exactly. You, you know, I mean, it's a common type thing. So, uh, so I think it bodes well for the future when you when I walk into a store that's close to a high school and. Very frequently, if not most often, if uh, if I'm by a high school, you know, three, four, five o'clock uh, or store, you know, uh, by a high school, I'll pull in and there may be, you know, 20 kids uh, just hanging out. And they'll be listening to music. They'll be eating acai bowls. The girls will be drinking juices. And um, so I think that that bodes well for the, uh, the future um, and the idea of, you know, uh, how people view food and health and, uh, and other aspects of, you know, their lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, that's really interesting and in kind of the evolution of your customer. And I'm wondering also between the start of, of, uh, Nectar and now what would you, um, and this is kind of putting you on the spot, uh, identify as for you, the single biggest moment for Nectar as a brand of, and why? Plus, how does that, how did that propel you forward? You know, I, you know, I would say that there's two moments for us uh, that, 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 that would stand out. Uh, you know, one is the most recent, meaning that the, uh, as you probably know, that the chances of a restaurant uh, and, and or a QSR brand being successful are very limited. Um the percentages of uh, franchise brands or any brand really for that matter, getting to, you know, a hundred locations is probably in the, you know, maybe single or low, low double digit uh, numbers and those getting up to 150 locations uh, and having the staying power is even lower. So I think it's a testament to, you know, to the brand, to the uh, loyalty of our guests. Um, so I think, you know, opening 150 locations, uh, you know, and having that staying power and the growth in the pipeline, I think is a, you know, that, that you know, that sort of signified to us that that was a important moment for us. The second, uh, probably most important moment for us was <clears throat> we recently, um, 
signed a deal with uh, a multi-state deal with Whole Foods, um, and they went through a process in which they obviously vetted out a variety of different brands, and uh, and you know Nectar was the one that they chose uh, to be their partner, and we're in the process and have started and are in uh, I can't remember three, four, five locations so far, in which we're taking over their uh, and branding. Uh, the nectar brand inside Whole Foods and uh, taking over the coffee and juice concessions. So we have basically our uh, and coffee, yeah, coffee and juice concessions. So we're taking over the uh, basically our same menu that we have in the stores. Uh, it might be slightly limited, but not really. And then we also have a uh, we've expanded, uh, you know, coffee. So I think that uh, having presence uh, in Whole Foods, having them choose us, I think is a nice validation point for us. Uh, I'll be down in uh, Texas next week uh, in Austin meeting with the folks at uh, headquarters to talk about, um, you know, our expansion plans and their expansion plans for, you know, what we want to do for uh, 20 and moving forward. So I think that, uh, you know, I, thought, I think those two things probably stand up the most. That is a huge partner. Um, but, you know, you're growing so far beyond your California base. And that may mean, uh, you know, you talked a little bit about this, may mean fewer health-focused populations. At least that's the, that's, I guess, the stigma, you know. Um, Southern California is where the health-focused people are. Um, but, you know, you and I, and probably everybody listening knows that's not true. So um, wondering what differences, though, if any, you're seeing between your customers in LA and maybe those in some place like Ohio or Atlanta. And then how does the brand identify and then play to those differences at those locations? Yeah, that is an interesting question and one that you can't really minimize as a brand because there are differences. And, you know, when we started the brand, the idea was to be affordable and accessible to anybody that desires a healthy lifestyle. And so if that is our, you know, if that is a premise in which we, we live by, then it limits us, it self-regulates us to a certain degree on the types of products that we want to offer. And what I mean by that is in Los Angeles, you will find some boutique juice bars that have, you know, very exotic uh, super uh, superfoods and dusts and potions and elixirs and things like that, uh, which as you can imagine would, would fit into LA quite well. I'm using <laughs> LA specifically, not necessarily California, <clears throat> um, but clearly that that's not going to play in, you know, say Albuquerque. Um, the and then fundamentally, what you've got to also be careful about all the differences is an example, and I think this is probably a pretty good example. Last January, we ran a uh, LTO. We ran our limited time offer from uh, Jan our first quarter, which was January through uh, through March, and it was a kombucha smoothie. So what we did is we replaced the coconut water with a kombucha. It lowered the the fat by 50%, calories by 50%. It was a fresh, it was a refreshing drink. Um, and in California, the numbers were off the charts and the P-mix and it just jumped right up the ladder. However, once you got past the California border, the education uh, and the insight and the knowledge about kombucha, you know, many states could had a hard time, you know, understanding what the word, word was, let alone whether they wanted to go ahead and buy it. <laughs> buy it. So, uh, <laughs> So, so to say it wasn't a very successful, uh, you know, LTO would be uh, would be an understatement. Um, we ended up with a little too much extra, you know, a few thousand extra cases of kombucha sitting around. So if you want some, <laughs> let me know. But um, <laughs> so, 
you know, so so forced us to take a greater look into the various demographics and the desires, and or not desires, but their, you know, the, the palettes. And what we've done with that is we've just been, you know, uh, that they are, I'd say, and I don't want to say a, a more basic, but I think that we make sure we educate the guests a little bit more if we want to come up with something that's a little bit more, you know, exotic, or unique, or not as well known. And then from a regional basis, we'd like to regionalize our snack programs because people do have different tastes in Texas than they do in California than they do in Florida, and, you know, in a variety of regions. And so we like to apply some, you know, flexibility, um, you know, with our with our franchise partners and our corporate stores uh, to allow that uh, to happen. But I think that um, Again, going back to you know my original statements in which you've got to stick to who your true customer is, I think is very important and making the assumption that uh, what people know in California, they also know in you know Chicago or Mississippi would be you know a, a misunderstanding on my part and was so there is, but but with that said, it is that our sales are growing very much I'd say that the growth we're seeing actually is growing in the you know the Texas and those other you know states and areas. so I think that as people say, a lot of things start out, you know, pushes from the coast, from New York and uh, and L.A., you know, and eventually catches up in the middle. And I think that we're seeing that. We're seeing numbers that running at a higher rate in, in, in those areas than we are in California. We're seeing more questions and more insights and, uh, and different things that we didn't, we haven't seen for a couple of years. So I think it's interesting to see what the different uh, guests from the various regions uh, provide to us. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I was thinking about this, particularly since we all are kind of fixated on labor because it's such a problem, but you all pride yourselves on the knowledge of your staff. And this gets to be pretty intricate stuff when you're talking about nutritional benefits of juices and the best formulas for specific desires or needs. And so I'm wondering how in the world do you find those kind of knowledgeable people to work or be trained to work at your stores, particularly in this super tight labor market. You know, and you are spot on with the labor market. It, um, you know, as an example, I can remember opening up our store in Long Beach and we had a job fair, and I think that we had close to 100 to 150 people in line. You know, applying today. If I ran that same ad, we would have lucky to have two or three people. You know, show up. So it's been very difficult to. <sighs> Uh, in California in particular, and other and other regions as well. Therefore, to overcome it, the only way we've been able to overcome it really is through education, meaning that we've got to, we've increased our retention rates by a, you know more than doubled our retention rates. And I think that the way you with the way that you go ahead and do that is a couple of different ways. One is, which I think most brands underestimate this, is that when we when we make up a marketing calendar uh, and allocate marketing dollars, most people would assume that I'm discussing, or, uh, yeah, I'm discussing basically our campaign to an outward facing guest like yourself, like come in and get a smoothie, you know, happy hour, a free add on or a cleanse or whatever it may be. But reality, the, you know, the best money spent really is investing that marketing calendar into your team members. And so, you know, the inward facing investment that we make into the staff on whether it is expanding their knowledge and becoming a, you know, juiceologist in which they can earn more dollars per hour, whether they get, you know, bonused on tenure, they get bonused on performance. We do events, parties, um, a host of different things. But if you saw our marketing calendar, you did first look at it probably the same. What, I'm not sure, I'm not understanding what this really is um, until we explain that it's a calendar really for our uh, 
investing really into our team because I think that if I go ahead and invest, my belief is that if I invest in our team, when somebody walks in, they're going to be smile and happy. The guests are going to smile and be happy and and things are going to move along and uh, somebody's going to refer them and they're going to refer other friends to work for us and you know, be interested in gaining more knowledge and insight on health and wellness and things of that nature. So I think that that's been a, you know, a critical component uh, for us. And I think it's where a lot of brands, you know, underestimate where, how they should allocate, uh, you know, similar budget. Interesting. Um, so we kind of got to wrap things up here, but I wonder if before we do that, um, you might share with our audience something about the brand or at least hint at it in the year ahead that you personally are really excited about. What am I really excited about with the brand? Obviously, as I mentioned earlier, the Whole Foods opportunity and what's ahead, I think, is something that you know that I'm excited about. The app, which has made unbelievable uh, growth in leaps and bounds, we passed uh, half a million people, uh, 500,000 people on our app uh, just the other day, and we have some new interactive uh, platforms that are going to be introduced uh, in the first quarter, which I won't go into the details of what they'll be the point. But I think that they are going to be uh, exciting and engaging, you know, for the guests. And then a, a new experiment that I'm interested in to see how it goes is we are beginning to test a ghost kitchens, which you've heard a fair amount about ghost kitchens out there. And with the propensity for delivery and with the introduction of our uh, catering platform next year, uh, I'm very interested to see how these, you know, ghost kitchens form and integrate with the, you know, retail storefronts. Fascinating. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I, I'm sure you've got some things you just won't tell us, but <laughs> you... yeah, exactly. I can tell you off the I can tell you off the air I can tell you what those are. <laughs> but we'll save okay. those for another day. <laughs> well, thank you, Steve. And you know, now I really I have to say I'm extremely thirsty, so maybe I will take you up on that kombucha. Uh <laughs> But I I have to thank you so much for stopping by to tell us really some of the interesting things. And there are a lot of them going on with Nectar. It is a beautiful brand with a great mission. And to all our beautiful listeners, I want to thank you, too, for stopping by. And until we meet again.